Welcome back to Game Level Learned. This is Game Level Learned Season 4, where we talk, well, we talk about what we've always talked about. Game-based learning, games, gamification, playing all the games. Games, 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 and games. 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 My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend and co-host. Tracy Wozenegger. What up, Trace? Hi. It's long time long. no podcast. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. We were when when I said uh, some uh, some months ago on the podcast, I, I on the Facebook group, I put a comment up and whatever. I got some feedback that said, "Oh, we thought that uh, th- this had been another example of pod fade, a word I no. never heard of." Just school said, year starting. That's right. Yeah. I, you know, uh, to quote. Uh, the immortal, I think it's LO Cool J. Oh my God. <laughs> I think it's LO Cool J. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. <laughs> Maybe. Rocking someone will, peers, someone putting can. Putting suckers in fear. I think that's so- LO Cool J. <laughs> someone can fact check that for us. It will inevitably be fact checked. So, listeners, you know that when we said at the end of season three that we were going to change it up a little bit in season four, we were going to bring in uh, guests each week and we're going to really talk about the practical realities of what it's like to be a game-based educator, a gamified instructor in your, uh, you know, in your work. And I'm delighted to welcome uh, a good friend who I met last year uh, to Game Level Learn, Season 4, Episode 1, Luke Johnson. Welcome to Game Level Learn. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I am honored to be here and honored to be a, you know, guest on this on this first pilot episode uh, of this season. That's so exciting. Yeah, you're the man. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> I'm also the man. Oh, of course. Tracy um, is also the okay, man. Tracy so... is more the man in some respects than, than me. That's correct. For sure, that is yes. correct. <laughs> um, so you already know Luke, but I don't know Luke. So right. um, tell me all about yourself, Luke. Yeah, no problem. So <laughs> I am a uh, just a, a fourth-year teacher here at Burlington High School uh, in Iowa, so I am originally from New York, moved out to Iowa to accept this teaching position. And for the past three years, I was teaching in the main building, teaching uh, just general ed English classes to uh, mostly ninth graders, as well as some composition classes, a little bit of creative writing. So your standard fare. Uh, this year has been a bit of a transition for me. I've stepped into a role uh, as an English teacher still, but at our alternative uh, school. It's called uh, BILA, which is Burlington's Innovative Learning Academy. Uh, it's an absolutely phenomenal program, a very, very small community of, of students and teachers that work together in an alternative environment for any students that just for whatever reason uh, need to be in a different kind of uh, set of learning conditions. So what the, my objective is in this role is to make sure that kids are sort of re-engaged with school, that they have a personal connection to the things that they're learning. And if they have encountered any obstacles along the way in their traditional high school experience, we're here to make sure that we alleviate some of that, uh, some of that anxiety, some of that, so the problems that may have arisen, uh, arisen from their uh, the problems in the main school, and we just kind of tailor the learning towards them. So uh, it's it's been a wild ride these past seven weeks, starting <laughs> up in in this position and trying to get a curriculum together for this. But uh, certainly, game based learning has has influenced my decisions along the way. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this is year four in the profession for you. It is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. a newbie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Trace, you're at what? Fit, this is 15 or 16. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, 22 Ooh. for me. So we've got a nice little uh, kind of, uh, you know, range yeah. of, of different sort of experiences. Right. Uh, Luke, I'm super interested in 
uh, in hearing more about this school and this sort of program within a program. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, as um, you know, as we get going, um, one of the things that we we do usually when we start off uh, an episode, particularly a season, is just a quick couple of minutes about things that we've been playing that have been really stimulating our, you know, kind of our interest or or what have you. So, Tracy, what have you been playing? Call of Cthulhu, as usual. Shocker. Um, the role-playing also, game. The role-playing game, of course. yes. But I did. I also played the video game that was released last year sometime. Yep. Um, so Call of Cthulhu, role-playing game, as always. Um, I um, got a couple of things at Gen Con um, and play-tested a couple of things at Gen Con. Right. Um, but I've still been – we're still trucking through uh, Betrayal Legacy – Yes. We have nice. like 1.25 chapters left. We had to stop in the middle of chapter 12. Um, oh, wow. Because the library was closing. So <laughs> we, took, we tried our best to take pictures and we're going to try to finish. Um, nice. I'm obviously evil, but it seems like I might win. We'll see. Mm. Fingers crossed. Mm. Um, and I've been playing um, Ori and the Blind Forest on mm. um, Steam, which is a, an older game, I think, um, that's been quite delightful. Huh. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Yeah, the Call of Cthulhu is to be expected. To be expected. Right. Betrayal. Right. You know, coming to the expected. end. Expected, yeah. Right. Uh, I'm now four four episodes into Betrayal Legacy. Okay. And so we're trucking, right? Yep. Enjoying it a great deal. Um, playing with Tim Handley, uh, Tracy. Yes, you know, who Tim. You know. And um, up until this last episode, John had won every, he'd won every game. Of course. Yeah, because reasons, you know. Um, so, uh, so Luke, what have you been playing? So uh, I myself have been playing a little Betrayal. Uh, not Legacy. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm not actually <laughs> acquainted with Legacy, but we play the good old-fashioned. Uh, yep. We've been playing How that a little bit. Uh, played a couple rounds of Pandemic recently, Dead of Winter. Uh, <laughs> kicking it old school. We went with Clue, uh, what was it, two nights ago? That was a nice. wild ride. I haven't played that in years. And, uh, nice. it, you know, it... it yeah, I don't know, age as well. <laughs> I don't know how you want to look at it. Uh, and then usually every every uh, week or couple weeks, I try to get together with my with my squad and play a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons too. So yes, nice. Rock on. Yep. Yep. We've um, uh, for folks who've been listening for a while, you know that I've I've talked up the game Numenera for a long time. I think it's yeah. a dynamite game. Uh, I've been playing with this group for a long time, and a friend of mine, Chris Tatro from from Massachusetts did some years ago this epic campaign sequence where uh, they started with a character, set of characters and sort of set of kind of personalities and principles and then played those characters morphing from system to system to system over many years to see about sort of how how much the characters would sort of hold together right. Right, over that amount of time. So how and does it look in Numenera? How does it look in D&D? How does it look in Call of Cthulhu? Exactly. Right. Except maybe not because they're dead. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I've taken my Numenera group, and we got to a point in that game where they had uh, they had done something that really was potentially earth-ending, you know. And so I sort of committed us to this experience, which I'm calling Scheherazade, you know, after the Arabian Nights, the the storyteller, where we're doing, basically, we're enacting that 
that procedure, right? And we've done two systems right now. We did Hillfolk, Tracy, which you'll remember. Ah, yeah. Right? Which is this kind of GM-less kind of uh, emotionally based narrative kind of thing, Hmm. which we did set in like 30,000 BC, right? Right. Dynamite. And we're playing um, Star Trek Adventures right now uh, because there were three of us who really wanted to, to pull that system out. Interesting system, particularly if you're interested in looking at role-playing system design. Is that what we played at Origins? Uh, no, that was the old oh. FASA Star Trek, the role-playing game. Apologies. From, yeah, from like 30 years ago. This new okay. system is much more modern, sophisticated, but the old game was fun, right? Uh, but this one's kind of interesting. So that's kind of where where I've been at. John and I went game shopping on Sunday, and I bought... No. Batman the Animated Series, <laughs> Gotham Under Siege. Oh, there we go. <laughs> right. Cannot go game shopping. No, God bless. Buy it's, money. Buy, buy no, money. Buy, buy. All the money is all gone. <laughs> um, this is a cooperative where you take on the role of either you know, Batman or Catwoman or whatever. And you have all these villains on the board and you're trying to deal with them. And the Joker's got a plan. And, you know, it's over four <laughs> acts. It was simple, fun, a, a, really a, a dandy little game. So. That's the last thing I've played. Nice. Um, yeah. So now, Luke. Yes, sir. You're a Dungeons and Dragons player. That is true. Okay. And tell the tell Tracy, share with Tracy, sort of share with the audience how we came to, uh, you know, how we came to meet each other and how we came to design, kind of the work that we're doing together. Well, now this is just the most serendipitous story there ever was. Uh, true, <laughs> so true. I was fortunate enough to have been uh, sent to a conference, uh, the ASCD conference uh, in Chicago uh, this previous spring uh, with a few members of my school district. And you know, when I was sent there, it's entirely for the purposes of curriculum design. That's kind of my, my niche thing that I just get called upon in my school for you know, helping people out in this area or this area, regardless of discipline, it always has to do with, you know, building up that curriculum, making it more rigorous, making it a little bit more uh, engaging for students, whatever it is. Uh, But I knew that they sent me to this conference with the intentions of improving curriculum. So, you know, we got that little ASCD app. We can see all these different kinds of presenters and presentations (laughs) that are going on. So we're sitting in our hotel room, me and my buddy, picking out which ones we're going to go to. And I got just the most generic setup you could ever imagine. You know, I'm going to like, oh, improving this by scaffolding this and all these like dry, (laughs) crusty old presentations. And then I see this one, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was, of course, John's presentation. Uh, It was on something like, do you remember the title of it? It was like Get in the Game. Uh, yeah. You know, Im- improving your classroom experience through game-based learning or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that that, you know, from from somebody coming from a little bit more of a traditional uh, kind of educational background, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's standing out on the page to me. So I was like, you know what, uh, there are other presentations at the time, but I mean, like, you know, this is speaking of my soul, so I might as well check it out. Uh, so 8 a.m. on like one of the last days of the one of the last days yeah, of the conference, yeah, I'm yeah. rolling in here. Uh, I hear this great presentation. I'm seeing on his slideshow. We got like betrayal. We got all these great breakdowns of these different game mechanics. We're referencing D and D. Like this is a guy that that knows how to take my interests and turn them into a classroom setting. So. Uh, you know, I couldn't help it, but I, I, st- <laughs> I was on my way to some other grand uh, speaker that was presenting there. But, right. uh, you know, I held John. I was like, you're not going there. You're talking to me. Uh, <laughs> here's this idea I got. Like, what if, you know, we took 
uh, Dungeons Dragons took what we know about curriculum, we combined them in this, this, and this way. Just kind of pitched a couple of you know churning things that I was thinking about to him. He's right. like, uh, let's uh, let's collaborate on this. This is this is something. So it was this beautiful, just synergetic. Uh, I don't know, communion uh, between us about uh, taking his interests and strengths uh, in which he already has this great expertise and my budding interest in uh, how to apply this to my own discipline as I'm, as I'm using it right now. And I just feel like we met at the right time in life and, and you know, now I'm on your podcast. So it's sick. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the, the serendipity factor is ridiculous. It really right? is. Right. I'm in Chicago. Well, I mean, I, I'm based in Orange County, California. I go to Chicago to present, mm-hmm. right? It's stupid early in the morning, <laughs> right? There's 50 people in the room, right? You know, I kind of give the shtick, right? Pack up. I'm on my way out. Luke's, Luke's like, hey, let's, can, I, can I riff with you for a few minutes? Sure. I'll talk to any, Yeah, I'll talk to anyone. I'll talk to you, right? And basically, in the course of leaving the room and getting up all of these escalators... Yeah. I just remember <laughs> dozens of escalators, right? Oh, I know. We'd sort of, yeah. The environment itself was trying to prevent me from being stationary to talk to you. Right. <laughs> that's, yeah. right, that's right. That's right. That's right. You know, and, you know, the idea, hey, can you take D&D and can you do something with it such that maybe it can form a framework to do really neat game-based learning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I obviously, you know, folks, if you've listened to this podcast, you've listened to Tracy and me talk. I mean, clearly, right? Right. You know, I think that there's a that there's some space there, right? And then I said to Luke, hey, why don't you shoot me an email with some of your thoughts on this? And then, you know, if if you if you can get to the point where you feel like, yeah, this has a kind of integrity, mm-hmm. then maybe it maybe there's a thing there, right, that we could actually work on, right? And, you know, one email leads to another, leads to Skype, leads to Hangouts, leads to work, right? right. And yeah, we've probably got collectively maybe 30,000 words. Yeah, probably about that. Written probably about that. And, you wow. Know, you know, we're, we're, we're stuck in the start of school year, right, which makes it hard to, to focus on, on, you know, driving forward. But we've got a plan, you know, and, um, you know, so... So you were a you were a gamer of long standing. Sure. You know, you came to this session. We're doing this work. You know what? What? Um, you know, kind of, kind of. What's the way in which you see some of this method in your work already? Sure. I mean, it it kind of blew my mind as we had the conversation prior to our interaction. All of my ability to pair D&D with curriculum and education to begin with was entirely abstract. It was very primordial, like there was nothing to it. Uh, And it was sort of our conversation that was the genesis of like it becoming, you know, it it had integrity. It's like, wait a minute, like we can actually turn this into something that's feasible because the principles of D&D, the principles of teaching really are at the heart of them the same. If you're a DM, you have teaching teacher qualities, and if you are a teacher, you have DM qualities. Uh, it's all about how you run uh, learning conditions or experiential conditions. So, I mean, at uh, at all times, students are even asking questions that uh, your your players, your PCs would would ask in a D and D campaign, which is what what role do I play in this 
And whether that's what role do I play in this learning in a classroom environment, or what role do I play in this encounter in a in a D and D campaign, uh, they're asking the questions: What can I do here to contribute to this environment? And by you know just framing the environment as a teacher or a DM, you're able to accomplish just incredible things with a certain suspension of of disbelief or uh, just just you know crafting a really cool world. Um, but you know a lot of these principles that that are between D and D and teaching that that overlap so well. I mean, if if you just think of the core kinds of responses that that players in a in a D and D campaign would give, uh, here's what I intend to do, and and here's what here's why I want to do it. That's that's at the heart of it. Claim and evidence, which is you know the <laughs> really the bulk of what I teach in English at all times i'm asking students to say what they think and to back themselves up to justify it to explain to elaborate to i call it greasing it uh but the students operate in the same uh kinds of functions in both settings so it seems like the the ability to combine those is is an opportunity that i as a fan of both things i would love to take advantage of are you Oh, sorry. Yeah, go. No, go, Trace. Go. Yeah, please. Are you – so you guys are working on um, developing, developing this curriculum. Have you, have you been using it in the classroom yet, or are you waiting until next year? So it's a great question. I have uh, a class set aside for the spring that is okay. a little bit of this experimental class. And it is approved. I do have all of these uh, different standards that, that are tied to it, a bunch of different assessments that are pretty traditional looking built into okay. the curriculum. And my intent is to uh, gradually and very deliberately incorporate these different game elements gradually into it so awesome. that the students can get different tastes of it. I can get feedback from them on what works and what doesn't work. And ultimately for, for our publication, we're going to be able to just get real you know, first-hand experience of well, right. here's why this worked, and here's a great thing that you know our our audience for this for this publication can take away and just use on the fly. Um, so I, I am prepping for a curriculum like that. Yeah. Although the the ability to which I've been able to employ it in in my new position has been sort of drips. <laughs> right. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been my experience as well. Right. Sure. That you, that I little pieces, little pieces, and then. Mm-hmm cannonball into the deep end of the swimming pool with the whole trimester course. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's really all about uh, your mindset going into the classroom that day too, to what extent it actually naturally unfolds. Because right. I know that when, if I approach a D&D campaign, like I'm a teacher, I actually kind of find ways to integrate little educational experiences into my <laughs> players' campaigns. Like, uh, for example, they were stuck in a cave. And uh, the the you know little mushroom that gave them riddles, uh, obviously would uh, I love that little recite mushroom. Recite a yeah. uh, <laughs> like a passage from the Aeneid, uh, a yeah. you know, class, classical text that these players not would not necessarily have any involvement with, any interaction with in their lives. Uh, but by giving them this little passage from the Aeneid out of context, they're able to both grapple with its meaning uh, just intrinsically, like what, what it does on its own, but then also look at its context in the setting of the uh, the D&D campaign. Uh, the one I'm referring to, the, the little passage is, is uh, the gates to hell are open uh, night and day and the descent to hell is easy, but it's the trip back that's, uh, that's the great labor, it's the great challenge. And so they have to solve what that means in the context. 
But if you approach D and D and and being a being a DM uh, with that teaching mindset, it sort of dawned on me like, why the heck couldn't you approach teaching as a DM? Right. And so I'm totally. thinking, well, what will what will yeah. my players like my my students? What will they learn today? What knowledge do they need in order to solve the problems that I'll throw at them? Uh, by the end of this session, this classroom, what transfer goals do I need them to understand for their next mm-hmm. campaign with somebody else, or what mm-hmm. do I want them to carry over into the next uh, the next session, if you will? Uh, yep. But uh, there's there's just so many things that are almost exactly the same between these two mechanics that it's just the vocabulary that differs. So finding common language to unite the two is actually a really natural and relatively seamless transition uh, between mindsets, uh, at least on the part of the, the facilitator. Right, exactly yeah, I mean, right. the players want to have a successful, a successful game experience. Right. The, the learner wants to accomplish whatever the learning objectives of the class are, one hopes, mm-hmm. right, so that they can have a successful experience you know, and move on. And the players in your game are expecting a sentient mushroom man <laughs> yeah. to quote the Indian <laughs> at, at them, right? A, a learner in a high school class is not. Mm-hmm. But when you have that happen, then you've linked a, a, a game-framed experience. Mm-hmm to a learning objective, right? And when you can do that and it lands, well, come on. <laughs> yeah, completely. Right? You know, they're going to remember the mushroom man and that's going to trigger all of the sequence of stuff that comes after that mm-hmm. much more easily than if they had to learn it as an abstraction, right? Completely. It's like when, when Tracy as a chemistry teacher is is having her students work such that they 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 have to use a variety of different uh, chemistry lab equipment to solve a host of different sort of escape room style puzzles. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they're going to remember what those pieces of equipment are because you've given them a story framework in which to embed the chemistry knowledge that's what we're talking about yeah right and and it certainly isn't going to be any less effective than if we lecture mm-hmm. right or use one of our more conventional methods and the possibility that it might be more exciting is non-zero right right yeah. and, more and engaging so therefore, why not think about yeah. it yeah spark yeah. curiosity yeah i mean that's the that's the idea i know and if you think about the the i don't know the alternative what what is being asked of of traditional educators uh to create that engaging environment it's almost like at least the way that i'm perceiving it so much of it is i don't know being being gone about all wrong where if you ask a student to uh create something in as much of an authentic environment as you can simulate uh, mm-hmm. which is what you always have to do in a in a controlled classroom like that uh, it always fills the formula of well someone in this discipline is incompetent uh, can you think like they're supposed to be thinking and fix the problem for them which is fine 
But like, if you're being asked to think like a scientist, if you're being asked to think like a mathematician, if you're being asked to think like X or Y, uh, it's it's only as believable as uh, you set it up to be. And so by uh, taking the route of complete immersion, <laughs> where you get to just really craft the the walls around you, the setting, make sure that students feel like they're genuinely in that constrained environment that you're really trying to create, rather than just saying, okay, now we're asking you to think like this and to do what scientists would do. There's just a whole ability to lend yourself to that kind of learning that will take place if it's framed a little bit more deliberately, I think. And this is kind of where there's so many setups and frameworks that we can just grab from from modules or from uh, different mm -hmm. different uh, settings that are already present in, in RPGs or in other kind of tabletop environments, uh, even just the mechanics. Like it just by setting something up in, in extraordinarily simple ways, it, it transforms the entire conditions of learning. Um, now, I mentioned uh, to, to John, and I haven't shared this with Tracy yet, uh, just one of the most valuable things that I got out of that conference specifically was the, the eight Cs uh, from, uh, right. I, I believe these were from Harvey Silver, and I apologize to somebody out there that you know, has, <laughs> believes that these are theirs. But um, the, eight, <laughs> the, the eight Cs uh, are just these, these simple tricks that just make learning so, so darn, uh, I don't know, it, Voluntary, I want to say, but just adding challenge. Self-directed? Yeah, self-directed. Self uh, adding challenge, curiosity, controversy, creativity, cooperation, connection, choice, competition. Like any of those, the inclusion of one of those little elements, which, by the way, all of those are just super ingrained in most kinds of games. <laughs> right. Which is like mm -hmm. what, what the framework is By the me. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but to, to pose something as, oh, I got a secret for you guys, but I don't really want to tell you. Dang, everybody wants to know that yeah. secret, you know? Um, and yep. the more things you can stack on top of that while keeping it a simple directive, uh, I just, I don't know, it, it, it opens the mind to, to wanting to learn those things. And it's those eight C's that are really the kind of framework that I've been able to employ in the first few weeks of school, so... Okay, tell us the eight C's one more time. Absolutely. So uh, think of it uh, really simply. Challenge, uh, posing something as difficult. The fact that something is difficult makes people want to do it. Yep. Uh, posing something as uh, a, a curiosity that you can pique other people's curiosity by, let's say, keeping something a secret or by just giving them partial information so that they have to figure out the rest on their own. Right. Uh, controversy. If you say that, ooh, I, I don't really know if I should teach you this. Whoa, well, why not? Everybody's so interested, right? Uh, creativity, uh, just the ability for a student to, you know, if, if you have them do an essay assignment, well, what other ways can you represent this essay? Well, nobody's probably asked them that before. Like, right. well, how else could you represent an essay through a poster, through uh, collage? Like, what what is the way that, in which you can uh, draw connections to to different kinds of thinking? Uh, so, creativity is another one. Uh, cooperation, the ability for students to work together and to get different perspectives, uh, tends to uh, I don't know, just just stimulate that kind of willingness to learn. I know that if I ask my classes do you want to do this independently or with a partner it's never independently so cooperation <laughs> tends to be a great draw uh right. and you can also you know rely on the other person to get a project done for you uh connection 
is the ability for a student to see exactly in what ways a topic or a concept applies to them directly. Uh, it's great to talk about financial literacy uh, till the cows come home, but unless they can see that uh, they need to open up a bank account next year because they're turning 18, then right. maybe that's not going to be a reality for them. They don't listen. So uh, choice is the seventh one. Choice means just giving students a buy into what they're learning, uh, yeah. whether that's just creating a menu of options for them or even just at a certain stage in that lesson, uh, give them, well, here we are, we've done this much. Do you want to do this or this next? Just that little thing is like, oh, you're asking for my opinion. I would love to buy into this. And the last one, of course, is competition. Uh, there's a couple ways we can do this. If you pit students against each other <laughs> to see who yeah. can write the best paper, <laughs> that's great if you have an emotionally like strong group of students that can right. handle, uh, you know, not being the best. But uh, you know, for for our our you know more likely tender students that we have to you know defer to a little bit. Uh, just challenging uh, competition, like let's let's all write essays for this contest that's out there, or let's, uh, you know, why don't you write a competition, uh, sorry, why don't you write an essay to compete against this person whose essay is already written, and you see if you can do things better than they could. Uh, just right. the, the uh, idea that you could maybe one-up somebody else is exciting enough to maybe buy into an experience that you wouldn't otherwise want to do. Um, yeah. We could also do competition against the game, right? Like pandemic. You oh, could completely. Imagine yeah. a um, situation like that. And I've also done competition between me and them. Mm. So, like, they mm -hmm. fight against me. Um, and oh, if, that's the best if one someone, of them all. If someone beats me, then they get, like, a magic prize. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Teacher is boss, right? Right. You know, you, you can imagine. Fight me. <laughs> right. You can imagine setting up, like a like, a bag of, like, really low value loot right you know it's like oh a tootsie roll yay right okay but but in the in boss battles against you right you've got a secret special stash right of loot that you only get if you defeat me right right you know and yeah i mean i i think using you know teacher as boss that can be a lot right. of fun it can be a lot of fun and it can it can be really good to bring a class together where the class culture sometimes struggles a little bit, right? Because right. mm -hmm. it kind of fixes them on working together to defeat, uh, you know, a proper boss, you know, a teacher, right? Right, someone who knows something, right? And you know, it's not going to be well. I'm going to write an essay, and you're going to write an essay, and I'm going to decide which one is better. I mean, obviously. If you're doing right. it in English, it has to be structured differently. But yeah. but the idea is, you know, is dynamite. Mm -hmm. You know, what I love about all of these C's is how I can easily see how I might use them as a game master. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or how I might use them as a as an educator. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I teach entrepreneurship at my present school and collaboration and challenge you know, and, you know, yeah. these kinds of things, right? Our, the, the high watermark of our year is when my students enter this competition that's sponsored by the University of Delaware, but which has branches all over the world where if they, if they were to win, they'd get $100,000 <laughs> for their idea. So that's motivating. Right. More motivating than, 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 
just getting a good grade in my class. Sure. We got the right. eight C's plus money. <laughs> yeah. Eight C plus plus M. capitalism. Yep. <laughs> plus plus capitalism. <laughs> the dreaded so, ninth C. <laughs> the dreaded ninth C capitalism. That's right. Um, so, look, w- one of the things that Tracy and I have talked about a lot, uh, you know, as we've done our work together, as we've collaborated together, is thinking about how students and colleagues and parents, you know, the people who are going to be kind of interacting with this, how they're going to respond. What do you, we're going to have you back on after you've done this, sure. right, to share kind of your takeaways and the, the, the battle scars, mm-hmm. right? But what are you anticipating? What are you already trying to, quote unquote, solve for? Uh, it's such a good question. I, I mean, obviously with, uh, with, uh, it not it's certainly not a choose your own curriculum uh, by no means because uh, as much as we are trying to create this uh, fantastical environment for our students we're trying to give them all of the fun engagement act- strategies we can uh, at a certain point you are railroading them on your curriculum and right. <laughs> so I feel like that part is maybe left latent for the students you don't really want to unearth that too much but for parents for administrators for anybody that needs, this kind of program justified, that that is your go-to, right? You show them the railroad. I think uh, a really great representation of how uh, how everybody can get behind this is you show them that your priority are the standards. You, you're teaching the things that you are hired to teach. Uh, that dispel all doubt that you're just here to play games with the kids. That's not our jobs. Our job is to educate them. Our job is to help them reach higher order thinking to arrive at deep understandings of concepts. And at the end of the day, that's what we do. And you can show them a a structure on top of that pacing guides. You can show them, uh, you know, all of these different kinds of formal assessments, if that's how you want to go about it till, you know, uh, know, till the end of days. But uh, the, the stuff that is really the, the, the cogs, the, the stuff that makes this whole gaming experience work in the classroom is, if you're thinking UBD, understanding by design format, this is all stage three mm-hmm. stuff. This is the stuff that uh, isn't contingent upon their deep learnings or understandings. It's not stuff that uh, would uh, be stuff that every single teacher that is teaching the same curriculum would need to teach. It's all stuff that you differentiate to make your classroom unique and interesting and to deliver that information effectively. So I would broadcast my own style of gamification as this is how I keep students engaged in incredibly rigorous material. And it's through the, uh, the willingness that this engagement uh, creates that they're able to practice different iterations of that material in unconventional ways that makes them stretch their thinking, it enhances their critical thinking, and it will ultimately lead them to a better understanding than if they sat around in class bored with a traditional curriculum. So I would have no problem pitching an idea like this to administration, to teachers, to uh, parents, or anything like that, uh, assuming that they would give me the time of day to listen and the willingness to be flexible about what their understanding of a a deep learning classroom uh, is. You talk about a, tra- you know, a traditional curriculum. Sure. Well, in some respects, all three of us working, you know, we're in, 
We're in three of the four time zones. Yeah. We're all over the country. We're in radically different disciplines. And yet we have a body of knowledge and a body of skills that we want over the course of the year our students to acquire before they move on to the next. Well, that's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. what, we're, what we're profoundly not talking about is traditional methods. Right. Okay. We've got to find ways to reach out to students in as many different ways as we can. My argument is that this is one of them. Mm -hmm. And we don't do this for every single thing that we do necessarily, although we might. But we certainly think that if you give students an opportunity to experience the curriculum that you're doing as though it were embedded in a story that has, that has a structure that's like all the stories they read and consume now. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be, a, you know, a properly told Dungeons & Dragons story should read like the Avengers. Right. Yeah. Right. It ought to. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, then there's a problem in your story design, right? Um, so if you can do that, that is all to the better, because in a world of distraction, the abstract notions we're trying to teach by themselves are going to struggle against all that noise. Give a story that structures it and helps to create, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, buckets in the brain to put things. Mm -hmm. That's to the better. And I mean, frankly, the three of us together have a century of game mastering experience. Sure. Well, I'm adding 40 to that. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but, I'm like, but, you know, to the point of railroading, look, <laughs> we all know that at the end of the day, Frodo needs to get that ring to Mount Doom. Yeah. Okay. Our adventuring party has to get to wherever they're going, mm -hmm. okay? And if they decide to derp around doing some other wackadoodle thing, and, you know, Tracy knows this from Call of Cthulhu where people become obsessed with clues. Yeah. Right? That That's fine, but we have to use our storytelling capacities to get the story going where it needs to so that right. it doesn't feel railroaded. And if we're good at that, then the players who might have been on a railroad 50% of the time that they were playing the game, it doesn't feel like it. Because the player's going to say something and you're going to say to yourself, well, that's actually somewhat better than what I had in mind. Yeah. So I'm just going to dump what I was going to do and I'll pick this thing Great up instead. Great idea, yeah. Right, yeah. Great idea. I'm not going to tell you I just stole that, right? Yeah. And And then the story evolves, but it's always evolving towards towards the goal right. right and the goals are our essential questions our standards are whatever system you're using yeah for your curriculum design right those are still the goals whether you're using a gamification game-based learning or any other method completely yeah, precisely right yeah i mean that that that's the intent and so you know, Luke. In, in some respects, the you know the answer that you, you know that that you give to students, colleagues, admin, parents, 
is exactly what Tracy and I have been saying on this show for two seasons. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you want someone to learn, don't listen. Stop listening. Right. <laughs> to this show, figure that out and come back. Yeah. Right. Because until you know that, you shouldn't be doing any method work. Yeah. Right. If you don't know the metaphor that I use, it's sort of a map metaphor. If you don't know whether you're trying to go to Boston or Miami, you're going to struggle to get <laughs> either place. And, you know, Washington, D.C., lovely in April, <laughs> right? But if that's not where you wanted to go, then it's, a, it's just a, it's a disaster. Yeah. Now, I, I think right. a, a huge misunderstanding with, with gamification, uh, at least maybe this is my misunderstanding when I was... I was introduced to it slightly before our, our presentation, but not to the extent that you were able to kind of uh, to expose it for me. But uh, is that you start with the what, and it's never the answer. <laughs> That's just never the answer in life. You don't start with, oh, like what what game do I really want to create? Like uh, what 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 game do I want my students to play? Is completely the wrong way I think of going about this kind of thinking. But if you say, well, uh, from from the opposite spectrum. Uh, how do I want my students to be thinking coming out of this class? Uh, you can kind of frame the kinds of questions and the kinds of games that would maybe cater to that kind of education, where uh, starting with questions of, if you want to start with morality, if you want to start with right and wrong or, or fairness or justice, like uh, then you could take any game and, and figure out in what ways you can change the variables of that game to represent that idea of good and evil. How can I show mm -hmm. good and evil through clue? Well, there's plenty there. How can you show fairness through hungry, hungry hippos? Well, chop off one of their <laughs> teeth and bash them on the nose. You're going to bust them up and he's not going to get as many marbles. So if you got all these hippos going and one's a little bit injured and he's not getting as many marbles, count them up after. So what can the class learn about fairness through this little example of Hungry Hungry Hippos? You know, you can tie right. so many different kinds of games into the concept as long as you start with that concept and then just figure out what variables in the game can help you convey that concept more appropriately. Uh, but what was really backwards for me when, when I started this whole thing was thinking that, that the games came first, that, that playing the games in the classroom is the mission and that some learning can take place along the way. And uh, I'm so glad that, you know, that's, that's not the end of this kind of discipline. No, like gamification is about using these games uh, to, to uh, scaffold the learning that's already taken place. And, and you know, hearing yeah. that is, and being able to articulate that, I feel like is the comfort that I need in order to employ that in my classroom. It's the inability to communicate exactly what role the games play in the learning, I think, that would prevent a lot of people from being able to be comfortable saying this to an administrator, oh, I want to play Hungry Hungry Hippos in my room. Well, okay. <laughs> but yeah. What uh, else you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys yeah. need to tell me now about this project. Okay. Oh, it's a moment. Tell me about it. You're the guest, so give, give, her, give, her the, uh, give, her the, give her the two minutes riff, and then I'll come in. <laughs> Oh goodness! Alrighty, I'm so excited about this. No pressure, this. Luke. Yeah, right. No, honestly, I'm I'm so proud of this work. I think that this is this is a a very authentic and and meaningful representation of my understanding of gamified learning, and it is represented in the way that I want to employ it in my classroom, and in a way that I think so many other people would benefit from. 
and the combination of what what I was bringing to to John here, and then what he was able to already supply on top of this as the things that I needed in order to make it function well, uh, is just incredible. So we have this this uh, synthesis of ideas that is that is uh, our project. It is a series of three books uh, that are sort of in in. Uh, homage to the, the the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Monster's Manual, the Player's Handbook of Dungeons and Dragons. We are creating our own uh, set of three books uh, called the Encounter Manual, the A Architect's Guide, and the Avatar's Handbook. What okay. these different books do together is they represent our vision for a gamified curriculum that is a combination not just of Dungeons and Dragons, but of how role-playing features into the classroom, in what ways you can tweak assessments to make them fit uh, an inventive scenario, and just how to add different strategies like the eight Cs or like uh, uh, different kinds of challenges into the learning that's already taking place so that students feel they're being part of uh, an experience that their typical classroom doesn't offer to them. Uh, and we go in many different directions with it, but all sort of revolving around this same idea, uh, which is the idea of your lessons not being taught as lessons, because lessons are dry. Lessons uh, imply lecture. Lessons imply uh, you know, writing a bunch of things that uh, are, are more regurgitative and less uh, conceptual and, and deep learning. So what we want to create is not lessons, but encounters. We want every day that a student comes into the classroom, them to encounter a different scenario that they then need to tackle and collaborate on. And yeah, they're going to do a little writing along the way. Like, yeah, they might get a tiny little bit of lecture, but with a framework that can accommodate uh, their, their creativity and allow them to role play in ways that they don't typically get to in a classroom, uh, we can kind of provide those those experiences that we alluded to earlier in this show, where that engagement is just at at a peak uh, operating level, and their their relationship with the text that they read or the content that they're that they're learning is is just on a different level. Uh, there's a very different experience uh, when you frame uh, in this this uh, in our in our encounter manual, for example. There's a different experience when you frame a lab experiment in terms of needing to do this to defeat a mad scientist instead of <laughs> doing it so your Stop lab stealing my ideas. can <laughs> give you a good grade, right? He's a um, mad alchemist, excuse me. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, yeah, no, I gotta get my terms right. <laughs> so, uh, John, can you can you fill in uh, the pieces? Okay, wait, wait. Uh, I'm sure so, I left things out. Oh, please, yeah. yeah. Wait, so you have the encounter manual. We do. Right, which is about sort of framing um, lessons or classes as more like an encounter that you would experience in a role-playing game. Correct. You have the avatar manual. So yep. um, is that, that manual, is that about helping students create avatars? Correct. For themselves, so like characters or yep. representations of yep. themselves mm -hmm. as learners. And yep. then you said you have the architect's manual. So yep. is that for the teacher facilitator Exactly. Um, to learn how to sort of DM the classroom. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So we have the, the okay. encounter manual as really being for lesson planning. We have the architect's right. guide as a conceptual framework for uh, using the encounter manual and the avatar's handbook. And the avatar's handbook is really for the students to help them understand what kind of environment they're going to be learning in. Right. Take Here, take my money. <laughs> right? Give right. it to yeah. me now. Grabby hands. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, when 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 Luke was was sort of 
you, you know, p- pitching the idea of Dungeons and Dragons as a curriculum. Right. Right. I mean, to, to me, and, you know, Tracy, you and I have talked about this before, Dungeons and Dragons, and frankly, all existing role-playing games are much too complicated. Right. Right. You've got to, you've got to see what it is about them that works and sort of extract that and then re-explain it. Right. So that someone who's not a, a naturally, naturally minded role player could actually kind of get into it. Right. 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 So the 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 uh, you know uh, uh, task resolution, skill resolution, all of those kind of things are uh, in avatars, at least in this first draft, really quite straightforward. Right? right. I mean, a role player would look at it and go, "Boy, you've really taken you've taken almost all of it out." Right. That's like exactly. Right, because what we want is the person to be able to identify themselves as as an avatar, right. which is of course, which is at least in part that sort of visual image, right? Right. Mm. It's two dimensional. It's flat. Start there, and then the person can flesh that out, right? As they have the learning experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the avatar's handbook is for them, right? Players. Right. Right. The architect's guide is for the the game mastering teacher. Here's here's what the encounter manual looks like. Here's how it's designed. Here's how you might use it. Here's why you should do this. Here's arguments you make to your colleagues or your admin or whatever about why you're doing it. I mean, it basically extracts the second and third chapters from my pre-existing book. Right. And boils right. it down, right, yeah. so that you know why you're doing a thing, right? And Encounters is designed not so much to be a curriculum, but to be a scaffold. Right. So that you could look at it and immediately see, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have this set in a pirate, in a pirate port. All right, well, if I want to talk to the parrot... But I want the parrot to do something that is historical in nature. Here's what that question might look like. Mm. But if I wanted it to be a math question, the parrot might ask this. This, right. The players are always encountering the parrot. Right. But the way in which you're encountering the parrot might be different, right? Right. And so, you know, this is all in sort of a first draft kind of idea. No, sure. But visually, the way I'm seeing it, is just like the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. The box set with the three mm-hmm. manuals. Right. Uh, Avatars is about ten thousand words. Okay. So printed in a form about that size. Okay. Okay. Um, it's gonna be about a hundred pages. Okay. Okay. It's a lot, but a lot of it is just charts and questions. God, I love right? charts. Oh, my charts are so good. <laughs> God bless. I am, I, I am, I am on record, and I don't care who knows it about loving the role-playing game Rollmaster. Just which, because of the charts. Just because of the charts, baby. <laughs> right. When I bought Rollmat, all these companions that added content, all I did was I wanted to look at the new critical hit charts. <laughs> right. Show me, show me, show a me a chart. chart. <laughs> yes, I'm like. Oh, it's a happy day. I have a new critical hit chart. Right? Oh, I never thought that you could do that much damage that way. Yeah. <laughs> Hooray. You know, 
Um, so so that's that's what we're that's what we're working on, right? And we've been we've been at this now for oh six months. Yeah, okay. about probably. Yeah. And at each step, we look at what we've written and said, does is it still holding together? Because mm-hmm. if it doesn't, then we should not continue to work on that, but find something new. Right, right, right. And it still does. And I think I think actually we've got something. And when that becomes a thing, then what we need are teacher writers who are game oriented. Right. To start pumping out modules. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Little campaigns, um, little one shots. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Right. And um, <clears throat> the model I have in mind is the game Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yep. Okay, Luke, do you know this game? You know, I'm actually unfamiliar. <laughs> okay, look it up. No, no, you don't need... You don't need you to know. do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- tra- Tracy I'm only, and, like, tangentially aware of it. Yeah. Because I hear a, John yeah. and his and our friend Chris talk about it and... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a contemporary role-playing game that is explicitly designed to feel like a role-playing game designed in the 70s. Hmm. Okay. Um, and it's got really interesting kind of character origination work and character generation work. And uh, now that's all fine. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think our stuff is going to, it should feel more 21st century because we want people who are maybe willing to dip their toe in to really be able to get it without having to labor through all of this shenanigans. Right. right? Of course. Yeah. But where I'm thinking Dungeon Crawl Classics is if you go to a convention where they are and you look at their their table of their swag mm-hmm. they have they, it's like they publish three modules a week <laughs> they have so much content it's ridiculous right like you know chris and i have written for role playing game companies i've got a manuscript sitting at one right now mm-hmm. uh, uh, how how on earth cuz they have an army they, probably doing it Right. How do they edit it all? Right. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's that kind of. But I'm like, so what I want is to get dozens and dozens of writers mm-hmm. who want to get their stuff out. Well, you buy the you buy the books from from us through our channels, but you buy the modules through Drive Through RPG, right? Or through education. You know, you have two channels, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I mean, that's the idea, right? Yeah. You know, let let's get teachers in this. You know, it's like uh, it's like uh, what is that? Cash for cash for teachers. What is Te- that? Te- uh, teachers, pay teachers, teachers pay teachers. Teachers pay teachers. It's the same kind of idea, right. except the idea here is we're pulling in that game space, and therefore, right. You know, we hope that it's more. Teachers pay teachers is often like here's a here's a, a kind of a one off or here's something like that. Right, right. Whereas this would be more um, substantive and or lengthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So now right. these manuals are designed for people in all disciplines, specific yes. grades. How? No. Are, yeah. So definitely all disciplines. K through sixteen. Yep. Okay. <laughs> K through sixteen. We had uh, in the encounter manual. Uh, we we just have this enormous chart in the encounter manual that addresses in these different roles uh, that that uh, you know if you're an artist if you're a 
if you're a laborer, if you are a mailman, if you are a this or a that, um, here are all of the different possible kinds of, of encounters or lessons, if you want, that, that you could build if, if you had this person that you were working for. Uh, if you are an English person, maybe the artist would ask you this. Uh, if you are a math person or a music person or a science person or whatever, maybe these are the different kinds of quests that you would basically get from this artist or this laborer. And we have an entire just pages and pages and pages and pages of this chart that gives you all of these different options that if you really wanted to, you could build an entire curriculum off of that chart alone. Uh, but we have, mm -hmm. we have so many different options uh, for uh, these, these activities uh, and assessments that are all tied directly to the standards. There's not a single one in there that isn't, uh, that isn't catering to what is required at a certain grade level. So uh, it's, it's kind of just cherry picking exactly what you want to teach uh, uh, to the extent that you have the freedom to do that. Wow. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I mean, we're working on it. Yeah. Right? Work and faster. I know, right? No, it's fine. It's fine if you don't have it done until the summer because during the school year, everything's crazy, but I'd like to really look at this next summer. Of course, yeah. I yeah. think a lot of people would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, our, you know, when we, when we said in August – yeah, we think we have a thing here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And we said, let's proceed to the next step. Okay. Let's get these first drafts finished, right? Luke is essentially the lead author of the Encounters Manual. Okay. I'm the lead author of Avatars and Architects. Okay. Because we think that Encounters is going to be maybe twice as long as either of yeah. the other two books, yeah. right? So you end up with an equivalent share of words, but just. His is in one book and mine's in two. Right. Right. And I said, you know, ideally, we've got something that that I can take to Origins. Mm -hmm. right? right. If right. not to sell, that I can workshop. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so that remains the goal. I feel confident based on, even though we haven't made much progress in the last couple of weeks, you know, I feel confident based on where we are that we'll have that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, oh, easily. You know, you know, listeners, the hope is that if you're at Origins or, you know, if you're in either Iowa or Pittsburgh or in Southern California, that that you will have an opportunity to experience, uh, you know, kind of playtesting right. some of this before it becomes, uh, you know, common, you know, common knowledge. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's kind of what you know, what we're what we're doing. And, you know, I'm so grateful, Luke, that you came up to me. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Right. Because these ideas are things I've, I've kind of thought about. But, you know, it, 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 it's, so much, it's so much more helpful to have a partner mm -hmm. to kind of riff it through. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, and, and you said something, uh, I think it was during our, our, the first time we had ever written anything that was like, you know, felt first drafty. You know, it wasn't just outlining yeah. stuff. But you, you told me... Um, you know, to paraphrase and to clean it up a little bit, uh, like that's genius. It, I I wish that I had written that. Or, 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 I can't believe that I hadn't thought of that first. Or you know, something along those lines. Yeah, and right, right. That's the feeling that I think a lot of people when they pick that kind of material up, they're going to be like, obviously, yeah. Like why why wasn't I right? Why, why hasn't someone made this before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And right. it's it's just kind of that throughout. And and what I think is is really the distinct difference that that defines what we do as, as so important, uh, not just like interesting, not just fun, but like really important for where education's at right now. 
is the a curriculum model that maybe people are used to and I don't want to assume you know how people's habits but it is here's the situation here's what we're doing today uh, now do it that is that, that's kind of the formula and what our curriculum is is inherently offering is here's the situation what would you like to do to the students yeah and it, exactly. it's that that is the question that every dm asks a million times every single session but it's the question that every teacher should be asking a million times per class what would right. you like to do what would you like right. to do and getting yeah. students to yeah. to take ownership of that and yeah. say well this is what i want to do let's run with it you know that's such an exciting idea that um you know plenty of people are out there uh that that have their own teaching methods that i'm sure work just fine uh but in in hearing an idea framed in a certain way sometimes that's enough to just tweak your practice enough to try something else out in in just that slightly different way and it, it works slightly better you know so um you, you couldn't have put that any better yeah yeah that, that's right i love that yeah i mean yeah yeah um what do you want to do so what do you want to do i just yeah. love i love that Right, just that. Just that little, yeah, that we should be, as DMs, I ask that. When I DM, I probably ask that a thousand times. You're right. But how often yeah. do I ask my students that? Yeah. yeah. And not wild. as many times as you ask it as a game master. No, and yeah. not as many times right. as I should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's a huge takeaway for me. Yeah. From this. Right. right Remember, from this conversation. Yeah. What do you want to do now? Right. What do you want to do now? Mm-hmm. I need oh, you're gonna do that. I need okay. to see this encounter manual so I can start writing scenarios. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Yes. Uh, I'm making you, the I don't know what these fingers are. The scheming fingers, right? Scheming fingers, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> scheming fingers. <Yes. laughs> oh, do you have Mr. different Burns, scheming fingers Mr. than me? Bird, you you <laughs> tented your fingers yeah. in a very in a very sinister I, way. I squiggle mine like Cthulhu, but yes. you just tent yours. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Why yes. Yes, I think you'd be, that would be fascinating. Yes. yes. Well, I'm, yeah, yes. I'm super ready uh, to start designing scenarios and. Brilliant. Okay, so we're at an hour. All right? All right. Sure. And I think, why don't we get to the last question on the, uh, on the, the, the Google Drive. Okay. And we'll have a nice, we'll have a good episode. Yeah, okay? I love Great. it. People are going to be uh, really okay. excited about this. I think so. I mean, I, I'm I like, be. honestly, like, please give it to me now. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Give it to uh, me now. Okay. Luke. <laughs> yes. Tell the audience what two games you think they ought to play in order to get a sense of <laughs> how they might do this or... This game is really cool. It's got a great engine. Or this game's really great. I use it when I want to teach this or whatever. You know, because we say, Tracy and I say all the time, play all the games, play all the games, play all the games, right? And we know that people listening to this show sometimes haven't played. All the games. The the games that we've played, Mm -hmm. right? So, and maybe not like Dungeons and Dragons because that's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, of course. You know, know, go go a little beyond that. So pick two. Luke Johnson. Of course. So uh, this is this is tough. I mean, there's there's quite the selection to choose from. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go pretty abstract here, I think, and and not say my favorite games, but say maybe the games that, uh, in terms of what it does, <laughs> is is the most applicable to what needs to happen in a classroom. Uh, 
The first one that comes to mind in a weird way, Pictionary. Uh, now, this is one that I, I assume a lot of people have played, um, and the rules are think. so darn simple that, you know, if you if you can't, you know, if you haven't played it, you probably can conceptualize it a little bit. I mean, what Pictionary asks you to do is, well, first of all, it has an inherent competition. That's wonderful. It, you know, it creates that, that conflict between uh, people. It has this tension element to it. But... It, it really forces you to consider in a moment, uh, you know, in an instant, what the critical attributes of a thing are. And that is such an important concept for students to be able to do, maybe not rapidly, but uh, conceptually and, and deeply. To, to think about a thing, to know what defines that thing, what are the parameters of that thing, and when does that thing become not that thing. And Pictionary asks you to do that quickly and represent that through illustration. Right. And it asks another person to understand that so you are forced to be clear in your representation. And all of those skills are incredibly valuable soft skills uh, for a student to have or executive functioning skills. Uh, and the ability to do that with increasingly abstract concepts, maybe those like difficult versions of those mm -hmm. things on the cards, right. uh, is like well what what is running like i don't actually know when is running become sprinting or when is running become walking how do i represent that what are those defining mm. qualities so uh mm. if if a student could apply the same kinds of skills that are operated on in pictionary in let's say a college composition class what are the critical attributes of a cause and effect essay what are the critical attributes uh, of a reflective piece of writing uh, then it would almost guarantee that the thing that they produce adheres to those critical attributes and is there thereby meeting expectations of the audience and so there's just this this nice little cycle that i think can come out of pictionary yeah but uh you know maybe For that's sure. maybe that's blowing it out of proportion but uh no you, way man no let, way. Me, let me stop Not at you all. Yeah, yeah please right and and, and just say that even the simplest game that a million people have played, mm -hmm. if you turn it into a gamifying engine, which is what you just did, you can see your purpose is not to play Pictionary. Your purpose is to use the Pictionary engine to explore notions of abstraction. Mm -hmm. Okay, All drawing games might do this. Pictionary is quite good for this. The game A Fake Artist Goes to New York, which is... Pictionary social deduction. Mm -hmm. Everyone except one person knows what you're drawing. And the person who doesn't, you know, it's like find the spy mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? Uh, you know, that's that's another thing that could conceivably be used in this way. But I think that's dynamite. Yeah. Man. Awesome. Yeah. What's the second game? Uh, all right. So the second one, uh, I I've tossed around a couple ideas uh, for, for um, what what games I can use to incorporate now before I really roll out my, my third trimester curriculum. Sure, yeah, uh, sure. And the one I like to use coming up, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it yet, so don't challenge me on that one, is, uh, <laughs> is Balderdash. Uh, if you don't know Balderdash, it's basically a game where you need to, uh, you have... It's bluffing. Uh, yeah, you have a word, yeah. and there's a regular definition out there that's a little bit zany or bizarre, and then it's up to the players in the game to come up with their own definition and convince everybody else that that is the... Uh, that is the correct definition of the word. So you kind of have to operate on a lot of different functions there. You have to understand what the context of maybe like a dictionary definition would sound like. You need to uh, understand what qualities a word possesses that lead to reasonable 
uh, inferences. And if you look at a word, you should be able to tell, oh, this affix, this, this suffix, this prefix, whatever, uh, tells me this about the word, and so I'm going to use that to my advantage. I think it pulls on a lot of really interesting uh, vocabulary qualities, uh, and it would be great for teaching things uh, through different extension activities of uh, about synonyms or antonyms. It can be used for uh, persuasive activities, but I just see so much potential with that game. I'm not quite sure how I'm gonna work it in yet, but I know it has a lot of applications in my field in English. So uh, I think I'd be remiss not to not to attempt to use that somehow. Now again, what I'm doing here is, is a little bit starting with the game, but I wouldn't just throw it into my lesson. I would think about, well, what's a lesson that, or what's a, what's a concept that I would like to teach that can utilize this in a meaningful way? Um, and that's kind of what I'm waiting for right now. But I, I do think that there is one out there just because I can see inherent qualities that make it, make it useful. Right. That's a great game. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's oh, so fast. You, you could totally imagine, imagine in a math class, that, you know, Balderdash, the idea is bluffing, the idea is, you know, this thing looks enough like the thing, but maybe it isn't the thing, yeah. right? Imagine asking a student, write three equations that confirm this rule, Ooh. one of which is correct and two of which are wrong, but are wrong in a way that might be confusing to someone, right? If you understand <laughs> why a thing might be confusing... Right, you for sure. Then you really know it. Right, you really, really right. know that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now, I couldn't do that in a math class. I could do that in a Latin class. Right. Right. Oh, is that supposed to be an A? <laughs> is that really an A? Oh, I don't know. I don't. You see what I mean? Completely. Right. Not at um, all, because I don't know anything about Latin. Tracy. <laughs> it was a neuter plural. <laughs> yeah, it was a neuter plural. Luke Johnson, I you're done. No. I can't <laughs> handle you two like English history people. Duh, the next person. Will you be guys a are so person. good with words and <laughs> you and your I'm words. I'm like math, 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 math. A graph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you two keep talking. Can I interest all the rest of you in this lovely chart? <laughs> uh, yeah, those are great choices, man. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, Excellent. I love them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Uh, you know the work goes on. It does, yeah. And I, you know, I'd be be honored to come back once once this thing is in is in completion and or at least to a, a publishable or, or you know get getting it out there stage whatever stage it needs to be in. I, I would love to talk about it after the fact and just get a little bit of a, uh, you know, your perspective on how this whole process has gone um, and and hopefully uh, hear from from some of your listeners and see what what questions they have about this kind of curriculum as well, so that. We can, you know, just kind of constantly work on improving it. This is something that I'm committed totally. to. I'm super passionate about. And, man, I, I, I think it's going to turn into something amazing if it's not already. I have every confidence that it will. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Um, I'm super excited. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. And, you know, Luke, we're going to have you back on um, after you deploy some of this in yeah. your class next term. Right. And then, you know. Perhaps if you are at Origins, you know, Tracy will bring her mic from Pittsburgh, and uh, and uh, we'll have a we'll have a live we'll have a live session where uh, we that'd be great kind of, <laughs> kind of riff on you know on kind of what we talked about today as we're in a kind of a growth process. So, um, so listeners, uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this this kind of new format for us. Uh, I think 
it's dynamite. Luke, you were. A yeah, this is brilliant, great. Brilliant this guest. is great. Oh, I appreciate it. That was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you guys having me. Thank I'm so, so glad that you were willing to and you know you know to be our first guest to be the guinea pig yay! as we yay as we try to figure things out uh i think people have have a lot that they might take away um how would uh how would a listener get in touch with you luke if they were so inclined oh so interesting uh you can absolutely reach me at uh my my school email was is going to be my my contact uh that is luke.johnson at bcsds.org uh and i would love to if any listeners have any questions just try to throw my insight whatever that'll get you <laughs> at you and uh you know hopefully uh you know not through my insight but through our collaborative conversations we can arrive at a common understanding and something that will hopefully help you out in the classroom or ideally help me out as well <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah the idea look we're all in this together That's kid right right, <laughs> right? Yeah. Sharing um, is caring. Sharing is caring, exactly. So, listeners. Wait, you're going to put Luke's email address in the notes, right? Yes, I am. Ooh, okay. thanks. Okay, yeah. In the Luke, show notes. you should also um, join the Discord. Ooh, definitely will. I didn't know there was a Discord. What is this Discord? I'll send you Tracy, why don't you take us out? Oh, what? Okay. Um, you brought up the Discord. I brought up so the Discord, which you, I'm obsessed with. Um, so, follow us on Facebook, Game Level Learn. There's a Game Level yep. Learn Discord. We'll put an updated link on the Facebook for that, and we'll put one in the um, episode notes for this episode. Yep. Um, you can reach John at – what is your email uh, John Cassie at Gmail. I was like, is it J. Cassie or John? <laughs> John Cassie yeah. at gmail.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, da, 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 da. Yeah, mine's T.L. Yeah. Wozenegger, so that'll just be in the show notes because no one <laughs> wants to be spelling Wozenegger. Um <laughs> But you can find John and I on Facebook for sure um, and the Discord. And uh, thanks oh, so much for listening. And GameLevelLearn.com. And GameLevelLearn.com, and absolutely. Game oh, that Level site's Learn. amazing. And GameLevelLearnCon 2 is coming up in January. And you can find right. information about that on the Facebook page. Indeed you can. And the website. And um, – and Folks, we're so excited to be back. We're so excited to be talking <laughs> with some great educators all over all over the world. And we look forward to hearing your thoughts and feedback. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. And we'll talk again soon. Bye. Do I hit stop or record?